Overthoughts, a proud member of the Overthink Podcast Network. Uh, today, we are wrapping up our talk on Westworld Season 2. We gave a very brief uh, review of the final episode and promised that we would dig more into the final episode and the full season, uh, thinking mainly about where we go from here. So I'm your host, Jason Helms. Uh, with me is Dom Lang. It's weird. Jay. I, I can't say your full name and, and your short name. No, no Dom Lang. DL. DL. Wow. Uh, with me, as always, is Dominic Lang. Jay, good, good to see you. Good to have you. <laughs> and, uh, and my brother. We're just meeting You guys have time. done so many podcasts together. How are you that bad at this? <laughs> Hello, Dom. How are you today? <laughs> oh, I'm great, Jay. It's good, it's good to see you basically like Wonderful twice to a hear. week. Well, what, oh, did I step? Oh, sorry. Oh. Well, and, welcome uh, to podcast talk. That interrupter. Is my brother Ben, uh, who still can't hey, shut up. Everyone. Hey, I can't. I can't. Welcome to Podcast Land. Uh, I'll be your new host. I'm just going to take over mid episode. Uh, and today we'll be. No, I'm just joking. Take it over, Jay. <laughs> and uh, what our listeners at home uh, don't know, and the two of you do, because uh, this is Skype, is that I'm completely naked uh, throughout yes. all of this because I'm trying to get into that uh, that mm. Westworld vibe of just you know it, body positivity, just just being naked, mm. not in a sexual way, yep. just being human just no no you're you're bernard at the end of season two where you're looking you're talking and just right. wake up naked the camera's gonna pan and i'll be in a full suit i don't think you being naked has ever made anyone think that it's sexual at all no so i think you're no. good no. your body is not a sexual body absolutely yeah. not so it i'm is, positive about far, that body yes yeah yes it is it is dad bod it is oh hey bud maybe put on some clothes that's I'm just the, glad you had kids to keep up with your body, you know? Yes, that's yeah. exactly why I had kids. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Uh, okay. Should we keep body shaming or should we get into the episode? My self-esteem has never been lower. Uh, <laughs> so let's get into the show. Yeah. Cool, cool, uh, cool. So we got a lot of questions that we thought we would just uh, kind of go through. Uh, some high-level ones, uh, some super nerdy ones, and uh, some that are just silly. So first, uh Probably most importantly, and the one that will shape the rest of this, is what does season three look like? And we can kind of break this into a couple places. Uh, one thought is that Maeve and her gang are going to be in Westworld, and uh, Dolores will be on the outside. Uh, so if so, and we can also quibble with that if either of you want to, um, what, what in the world does Maeve's storyline look like inside of Westworld? And what does Dolores' uh, story look like outside with Bernard? Yeah, I'm really confused in regards to what Maeve's storyline could look like it feels like the momentum story-wise is with Dolores and Bernard sure outside and so the only things for me that are unanswered in regards to Westworld are what other worlds are there and there's maybe potential story in like something undiscovered in a as of now unseen world Mm-hmm. But it seems like we've mined Westworld, or at least that park, for everything story-wise. Yep. So it feels like Maeve would have to travel elsewhere. There would be some, I don't know, like something to be gleaned from another world. Well, I think another question, I, I think if we do stay in Westworld, then we get to see more parks. Um, mm-hmm. Possibly a return to Shogun World. Another question is, does the park reopen? Uh, I'm guessing based on the final lines to uh, Sylvester and Lutz that uh, it does. Um, We can salvage her parts. Yeah. Does it, does it change in some way? Um, And if they do get to stay inside the park, 
Uh, are they playing some kind of resistance type game of pretending that that they're not awoken and and trying to to play that right. off throughout the season? But doesn't that put us back into season one? Right. It could. I think it would be really different because I'm guessing that it would be much stricter rules on the robots. And from what I recall from season one, uh, Dolores and Maeve didn't spend a lot of time trying to hide the fact that they had, you know, awoken in the sense that nobody expected them to. That was not anything anyone was looking for. But now people will constantly be looking for that. Uh, And we could set that tone quickly with some some robot that's not has not been awakened being killed or or tortured or something awful happened to them. I, I suppose because Charlotte is a host now mm-hmm. and she's still at this point, we don't know if people have discovered that. And so she's still the one who runs, yeah. runs the park. And I suppose that's an interesting angle. Like if a host is running the park, that's true. what is the, the function and purpose of the park now? Right. And how does she not fight for the robots rights? Because that yeah. would look so weird. And yet, how does she continue to protect them or, or steer them? Mm-hmm. So That th- sounds way... Oh, finish what you're saying, Tom. Well, no, I was going to say, like, that's the only way that I see Westworld as an interesting story element. Well, we just wrote season three. Yeah, exactly. It's it's Nier Automata. Go play Nier Automata. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds way more interesting to me than season one happening. Or season one with, like, a twist. Right. Right? But the idea of, like, let's break out of this... Who's a host? Who's not? The park thing, and get into what does life as a host in the real world look like? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then maybe season four, season five could be like, what does life in the real world look like? And people know that you're host as well. Yep. Right. As people discover that, I think that's a much more fascinating. Yeah. Discussion, like what are relationships with these people look like? Do they actually want to? Especially if some of them actually want to take over the world and destroy humanity. Yeah. Some of them are evil towards humanity, and some of them are just like, no, we just want to be our sentient beings and be, you know, and, and assimilate into human culture. I, I don't know what season three will look at, like, but my pitch for the opening of season four is Bernard on the beach, uh, the waves lapping against his legs. He picks up his glasses, looks up, and it's King's Landing. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Monoculture! <laughs> yeah. We are one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like they wanted to at least set up a professor X Magneto kind of rivalry between Dolores and Bernard. I like my personal opinion is I don't think it earned it, but that relationship is there. Yeah. And you had some issues with, um, with the ending of season two. So, uh, what, I mean, you, you went and listened to our take on it. Uh, you went to listen to feedback. By the way, that was a trap. I kind of assumed you hadn't. So no. awesome. Nice work. <laughs> I I totally did. Yeah. Um, no, for me, it felt my frustration mostly has to do with uh, Dolores and the fact that not until the very end did I get a a clear sense of like, oh, th- like this is her driving mission, but it still felt vague. Mm-hmm. At the same time, and the like, her deception of William, although cool, is also it seems rather pointless because she says, "I need a monster to finish the job to William," when in fact she doesn't. Right. Like his his betrayal, like doesn't stop her plan. Um, and she didn't use him for anything. She didn't use him for anything. Yeah. Uh, Maeve dying 
like for I, I would be shocked if he didn't come back, and that kind of bums me out because it just feels like a restart. It's just like, well, that death didn't really matter. Teddy's feels more permanent and therefore yeah. more impactful. But Teddy yeah. actually has come back. Teddy's in the forge. Mm. So you can come back again? No, I, I, he's out of the show, but I mean, Teddy right. did that, actually come back I mean. to life. Like he's, he's not coming back into right. the show. Right, right, right. right. But I, that's an, I, I wanted to point that out, not to say like you're wrong, but that's because I think I agree with you. But that's kind of an interesting twist is that one of the characters we're talking about is actually dead on the show and the other is actually alive. And it's the one that we're, that is alive that we're like, well, he's dead. So it doesn't really matter. He won't be on the show. It feels good. No, that, that's and interesting. The, the one yeah. that's dead, we're like, well, she's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's just an interesting sw- switch that's already happened with kind of our conceptions of, of death. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see them explore that a little bit more. They did that more in the first season of what is it like to be able to die a lot. Yeah. And as much as I, as much as I love Tessa Thompson as an actor, I think the the twist with Charlotte, like, yes, kind of cool, but Charlotte had been painted so one-dimensionally the entire series. And save for that moment where Dolores almost sliced her head open, you didn't get any sense of, like, stake for her. Mm-hmm. Right. So to for that move to happen, it still felt hollow to me. Right. So those those are the the things that I had issue with in the finale. Um, and, yeah. And some of the pushback that I've heard has been mm-hmm. um, Dolores' turn from, you know, she's about to destroy the whole thing mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, when she comes back as uh, Tessa Thompson, uh, she's good. She's like, no, 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 we'll be fine. And I'm going to shoot Bernard in the back of the head because it's dramatically cool. But really, even then, I'm saving him. And, and we didn't get that character arc. And it just happened between two scenes. But if we think about it, it happened over the course of, what, about a week of her inhabiting Charlotte Hale's body? You know, it's not like Dolores just jumped from her body into Charlotte Hale's and then was in that final scene. Like, half the scenes we've seen with Charlotte Hale all season have been Dolores. Oh, Mm. true. And so she she had a lot of time to think those things over. And I'm curious if on a rewatch that'll hold up better. If there are scenes earlier on that are, if we can see her starting to make that decision, that move. Maybe, yeah. I definitely give that idea some weight. Uh, the Ashley Stubbs, like that conversation came for me, comes totally out of left field and not, I think it like, was supposed to though, but not, not in a surprising organic way, but a surprising, like what the hell is that? Like really? you, you don't have any time with Stubbs in the yeah. season. And so it doesn't matter yeah. if yeah, yeah, yeah. he knows or if he's a host or, it felt like they were trying to say, oh, this means something or this is a cool reveal. And it it isn't. I think it so it could be two things, right? One is I heard people talking about maybe maybe Stubbs is a host. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think he was just shit on all season long by like everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And even in the first season a lot by any administration or the yeah. SWAT team from the other place or whatever or Strand, obviously. And I think this was his like mini hero moment to be like, you know what? Like, I'm tired of being shit on by everyone. Like, I know you're probably not Dolores for whatever reason, right? There's some tell that he could figure it out. That's my willing suspension to be like, all right, he knows that she's Dolores. And yeah, he's just being like, all right, I, I, I believe that. Oh, I don't remember the, the what is, what's the quote? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, his, his job is to protect the hosts. Right, right, exactly, right? And so he's just, like, letting her go. I thought, I thought that was a cool wink, maybe a little fan service to be like, oh, yay, go team host. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was in the character of a guy who's basically given up on doing his job because everyone's told him he's doing a terrible job anyway. So, mm-hmm. all right, I'm here to protect the hosts. I'm here because Ford hired me to do that. And yeah. so I'm on the team Ford, right? And Ford wants her to get out. That's one of those character arcs I would have liked to have seen because I feel sure. like they can't right. decide if Ashley's the main character or not. Um, he's not secondary. He's tertiary at best. Yeah. I think, like, Sizemore is clearly a more important character than him, and Definitely. he's tertiary at best. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's it's tough to know. I, I think he'll probably develop into a main character. The other question, though, is, is he a host? Was his thing about saying my core directive is to protect uh, the host, was that a joke? Like winking, like, get it? I, as a mm-hmm. human, have a core directive just like you do. Or was it him saying, I'm a robot? And if it was him right. saying, I'm a robot, then the there is some connection to that in that that was actually a theory before that episode. And the reason for it is probably just a continuity error, which is in season one, you see Ashley Stubbs reacting to Dolores talking to young William. Uh, and he sends in a team to you know fix a malfunctioning host at one point. And so you can write it off as, you know, oh, it's just clever editing. They, they made us think that he was back then and link these two timelines, but he was actually reacting to something else. Probably just a continuity error, but fans jumped on it right away and were like, see, told you he's oh. a host. He hasn't aged in 30 years. Fair enough. Interesting. Fair enough. Uh, so I wanted to ask you guys one of the nerd questions. Do it, man. The super easy to discern uh, last scene, the post-credits Marvel scene with William and Emily. What, when, how, like what's going on and how does it connect to season three? I don't think it connects to season three. Okay. Uh, that's that's my first take is I think that's season five or six. Uh, wow. And I don't think we'll ever get there. Um, right, right. I don't think we'll ever see that again. Either. Yeah, because of Lisa Joy's comments about that's in the future. Uh, that, that was what she said in an interview is that's taking place in the future. Mm-hmm. I think that that's taking place like a hundred years in the future, a thousand years in the future, something mm. like that. And where I'm getting this from is uh, not actually Westworld, uh, but one of my favorite comics, uh, Miracle Man. This is a great comic written by Alan Moore, and it's one of his first big comics that he did. And it's just mind-blowingly good. It's basically this Superman ripoff. And uh, at the end, when the Superman character is, like, battling the the big evil guy, and the evil guy kills a bunch of people, uh, finally the Superman guy is just like, oh, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, I'm just going to kill you, and I'm going to bring back all the people from the dead because I'm Superman, and I have those powers. And we're not going to have war and famine anymore. I'm going to take care of that, too. And it's Alan Moore's way of kind of exploring fascism, basically, like this totalitarian mm. dictatorship. But what if it was a good guy on top? Uh, at the same time, he's mm. writing V for Vendetta, which is all about anarch- anarchism. So he's exploring lots of different ideas, uh, political yeah. ideas. So he gets to that point, and then he uh, gets called up to the big leagues for DC, and he heads over to do Swamp Thing. And at that same time, he hands it off to a young British writer that he's befriended named Neil Gaiman, who has not mm. written many comics. And wow. Neil Gaiman takes over Miracle Man. And so this is like the greatest run of comics ever. Alan Moore to Neil Gaiman for like 30 wow. issues. Jeez. And in this, one of Neil Gaiman's first issues is taking the big bad evil scientist from uh, this part of the origin story of this character and bringing him back to life in this utopia. And as his tour guide, he has Andy Warhol and Andy Warhol shows him around the utopia. And it's this beautiful issue because they're doing all this cool pop art stuff just with the drawing Uh, and Andy Warhol trying to teach this uh, 
German Nazi mad scientist about love and enjoying enjoying life. And finally, at the end, he's like, you're not going to convince me, Andy Warhol. This, I, I don't believe in your world. It's disgusting to me. These people should be, you know, put in concentration camps. And Andy Warhol goes, uh, yeah, that's what I thought you'd say. This is actually the 17th time we've done this. And then and wow. kills him. And they, like, get nice. ready to bring him back. And it's, like, nice. such a beautiful story of redemption. Even mm. though he isn't redeemed, that, like, commitment to redeem the most evil character in the book. Right. Uh, right is right, right. such a cool idea. And, that, and so that is, I, I'm hoping that that's what they're ripping off. Because I've, I've loved mm-hmm. that idea, and I've never seen it done elsewhere. Um, I would love to see that kind of redemption thing. Interesting. I really love that idea. I, I hope you're right. Because that... A, I want to read Miracle Man, and B, that sounds like a fantastic exploration of redemption in a way that I've not seen it before. So, I talked to Jorge about this, and he his basic response was, "Oh, so that's Dolores's project, right?" Yeah, I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, I mean, if Dolores is the king of the robots, then that's my pronunciation, not his. He respects hosts more than I do." Yeah, if Dolores is is king of the hosts, queen of the hosts, then she's obviously overseeing this test of fidelity of the man in black. And my question is if he's, I think we talked about this last week, so I'm sorry. sorry if I'm still trying to figure out where, you know, yeah, you're how host he is, how human he is, because if they're trying to figure it out for fidelity, then they're, they're searching for his redemption, right? The storyline where he doesn't kill his daughter, mm-hmm. where he receives the light, where he doesn't go crazy, I guess. But if he's the host version of himself, how will the algorithm ever change? How, like, why would he ever choose different things? And I guess maybe they answer that in the finale where they say the algorithm, the algorithm is simple, right? You give simple needs and desires. Mm-hmm. You're not setting up every single choice they're ever going to make. Uh, but if they're looking for fidelity, then we're thinking, oh, because they're trying to make humans. Yeah. Fidelity is directly at odds with free choice. Really? Right. In other words, if we're testing it for fidelity, we need you to give the same actions. And yet, yeah. if you get the no, same action, no, 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 then oh, I think okay. fidelity could literally just well, fidelity is just like truth, realness, right? It's just uh, it's but fidelity could also be adherence, and so like maintaining a pattern. That for a human though wouldn't be consistent. It wouldn't be the same thing every single time, and so they're not necessarily checking to make sure that he's doing the same thing every single time. They're trying to make make sure that he's doing the most human thing every single time. Mm. If they're trying to make the perfect human. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good point because I actually don't think they've established that. Um, a lot of the way that they've set it up seems to be that because of these few simple drives, people do do things the same exact way. Right. Um, in other words, they can establish fidelity by proving that Delos, no matter what, how they set things up, always gets to this exact same point with his son in the simulations. Right. What's more faithful than that? But maybe you're right. Maybe that is unfaithful because humans actually do have this element of not not necessarily even choice, but chance of randomness. Yeah, of I don't exactly. know why I did it. Unpredictable. I just wanted to do something different today. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have multiple people, right? No one's an island. There's two. Everyone's a different variable. So it's not just my lack of consistency within myself, but it's also both of yours. Mm-hmm. And so if I act the same way in this conversation, you guys still will not. Right. Did we talk about um, kind of some scientific studies on uh, free will and choice? Uh, earlier in the season. So there's some great, great tests that started to happen about a decade ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, the the short version is what they showed is that uh, you actually make a choice about six seconds before you think you do. And so it was like, choose red or blue. You stare at the two and then you click one. 
And you're supposed to, there's also a button to hit. Like you, you press the button on the little controller when you've made a choice, and then you click which choice you chose. And they can tell, based on brainwaves, which one you've chosen. And they would actually know it was, it was like six seconds before you actually push the button saying, I've chosen, that's a that you long actually push something. Time. Um, and it's, they, they, it's been repeated, it's, again, it was over a decade ago. And so it's been repeated enough times and with enough variables that there, it kind of depends on the thing you're choosing, but there seems to be a delay. And basically, the moment when you think you chose something is you telling yourself a story that you made this choice. Mm. But it's mm. not the actual moment when you chose. Uh, the actual moment when you chose was a little bit sooner. And because of that, it just awakens us to the idea that even those moments when we think we chose something randomly, it's just another story we're telling ourselves. Uh, yeah. That we're in control, that we know what we're choosing. So I'll link to that in the show notes, I guess. Yeah. I mean, which ties in well with Westworld in terms of discussing narratives, discussing the story, like stories we tell ourselves and choosing choosing to break from those stories, choosing to break from those patterns. And even like some of the most interesting stuff I thought was when Maeve and her crew see their stories mirrored in Shogun world. Yeah. And seeing, is it possible to break and deviate from those things and to see the ramifications of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love Hector's rage at Shogun version of Hector. Um, yes. Because that, that reminds me so much of myself whenever I get pissed at someone, um, especially yeah. someone I don't know well. When it's like, why am I so angry at this person? I realize it's because they're doing the exact same thing that I do. They're doing the yeah. thing I hate about myself. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this classic television show. It's kind of it's kind of a not-so-popular one, but uh, it's called Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Uh, I thought we were about to get into more Twin Peaks talk. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, stay with me, Ben. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's the episode where Jerry dates someone who like likes Cheerios, who dresses like him, who has the same laugh. Yes. And he says, you know, like, I'm dating myself. I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's amazing. So but there you go, Hector. You made me think of, uh, of Seinfeld. Congratulations. Uh, which brings me back to the concept of tulpas in Twin Peaks. Oh, sorry. Ben, go on. Uh, oh. <laughs> All right. Stay, Ben. Don't go. Don't go. Who is Haloris? Who's Holoris. in Haloris' body? Oh, yes. Who is? Yeah. Who's controlling Hale's body? Yeah. Huh. Now that now that Dolores made a Dolores body, and I assume she moved her brain to that body. I have a, and I have a quick logistics question about yeah, that. How does that, that happen? Right. Okay. Cool. Oh, good question. <laughs> like, wow, that's a really because good the question. moment she pulls her brain out, that's when the lights go out, and so is it just like kind of the like an okay, on I, I got it. Just... I got it. She okay, okay. She set up. There's got to be a third host that we need yes. to do this. Bernard. She could have worked with Bernard if we maybe we didn't oh, yeah, see that. Oh, yeah, you're right. She could have actually had Bernard just do it before she really turned him on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. That's totally fun. That totally works. Uh, but, okay, so you've got, like, the fox and the chicken, and then you've got the grain. <laughs> right. Oh, hold on. Right, never mind. Right, right. I think we figured it out. Okay, great. Never mind. The, scor- the scorpion rides the Bernard across the river and then stings him, and they both drown. Right. I'm a scorpion. What do you want? All right, so who is in... What what host is in Charlotte's body? So to clarify, we've got we're assuming Maeve, Hector, Armstice, uh, Clementine, etc., are all in Westworld. Yeah, right. So the question, the other question is, who did she bring out? Right, and those could be copies of hosts, right? 
Not necessarily, because remember, uh, Ford's brain was a uh, in a ball, too. So think? hypothetically, she could have brought out a human that had been put in the forge. The only issue is we know that they don't work. Yeah. So they could be copies of, of, I mean, it could be Teddy in that sense, right? If there's copies of, why wouldn't, why couldn't there be copies of hosts? Yeah, right? I was, my vote's on Teddy, actually. The, the problem with that is we've got him in the forge already. That just yeah. sucks. And we already had the whole she betrays Teddy thing and tries to run his life. Like, let him die. Let him yep. be dead. I do. That's although right. I do like the idea of him being in hail. Like, just, uh, like, how, mm-hmm. did, how does Tessa Thompson show Teddiness? Uh, yeah. oh my gosh. But I like that as a one-off. Uh. I've been watching watching a bunch of interviews the past couple weeks as they're as the leading up to the finale of just like on uh, on talk shows and stuff of all the actors and behind the scenes stuff. Now that the season's over, a bunch of interviews with them, and I think it was um, Evan Rachel Wood that was talking about being an actor on Westworld is like being in the acting Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of the direction from from the, from the directors was like sit still, cry, and show no emotion on your face while there's a fly crawling around your cheek. But just just three tears. Just yep. three tears. I, was like, I just yeah. assumed all of that was CGI, and she was just staring blankly. But no, she had to cry on command without showing any emotion <laughs> and also be naked in front of one of the greatest actors in the world. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool, cool. Just another day Wait, working on Westworld. That sounds insane. Tom Sizemore was on this show? <laughs> I believe it's Tom Strickland. Lee, Lee Sizemore. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. I, uh, I get them confused too. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say Clementine. Clementine's my vote for who is in here. Oh. Some redemption for Clem. Because uh, she didn't, yeah, yeah, she didn't have as big of a connection Summer to Maeve. She had a much bigger connection to Dolores. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, that's true. But like who else was connected to Dolores? She had all those masked people. So now does, yeah. did she also take out her father? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. I would assume so. That's a good one. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Angela be another one. It was her and, and uh, Clem were kind of like the two, the who two non-masked people that were part of her gang. Who was Angela? I'm sorry. Angela was the one that had kind of like the uh, the thorny yeah. necklace, oh, right. uh, yeah, um, cool. halo thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Westworld. And then Bitches. she destroyed. Oh, the I forgot. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And yeah. she was the the one that uh, welcomed William to Westworld. In the first place. Yeah, yeah exactly. If yeah. you can't tell, doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, totally remember now. All right. So we talked about this, I think, a little bit last week, Jason, but what mm-hmm. happens to all the other worlds? The Shogun World, Raj World. I think there's seven worlds we know of. Yep. We don't know all the names of them, six. but we know that there are there's six worlds. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did and we know that Bernard said something to the extent of I'm the last one remaining, I'm the last host in the in the finale. So did he mean just in Westworld? Or did the same thing happen in all the other worlds? Mm. Was there just this mass execution of all of those in all the worlds? I mean, we know there was some sort of rebellion in Raj world and Shogun world, but... Yep. So it had spread to the other worlds. Um, yeah. I mean, we can... They can kind of retcon that uh, next time and just say that the other three worlds uh, were kept safe because, as you always, as everyone knows, one of the primary rules of Westworld was that we had to split it into two halves so that we would never get the entire system. You know, and they give us some exposition, and it's like, okay, those three other worlds yeah. are fine. But but I'm not sure that that matters either way and that, yeah, something may have happened, something may not have, uh, but hopefully we'll get a chance to actually see them in this new season, uh, assuming that a great deal of this happens within Westworld. Or within, should we be saying within Delos? Because Westworld is just a portion of it. So you said hopefully we'll get to? I'm hoping we don't get any Westworld. I'm hoping it's like 70-30 in the real world. 70% in the real world and like 30% in Westworld. Hmm. Or, or less, you know what I mean? I hope I want Dolores, like, I want to push into the future. My biggest fear for season two, 
before it started was that we get like that every season would be a different world. We um, get a whole year in Shogun world, the whole year in Future world, and the whole year in, and we'd be seeing like the same things, which I could get sucked into. But I I like the idea of okay, what's after this? Yeah, I like the momentum that season two ends with in terms of yeah. Dolores and Bernard being in the outside world. So I like that yeah. it just in that sense is kind of burning through story and like just exactly going for it. Some, something new. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think that's what like my, my fear that I expressed at the beginning is like, why are we staying in Westworld? That I think that's my question coming into season three. Like, why are we there still? Yeah, and I mean, I guess that could be to kind of clean up the mess, right? Because it's still not like, well, Westworld, it's not Jurassic Park, where they're like, close the park, we're done. Like, they're still there trying to clean it up. So Westworld is going to look very different now, But I then think. you go into Jurassic World, and it's the same story as Jurassic Park, where it's like, no, it's better. Oh, wait, it's... Oh, we still can't control. We <laughs> Yeah, we still effed up. And so right. Right. that's, that's when like, oh, this is just going to be like season one again. Yeah, yeah, which is why real world storyline just it, it sounds yeah, I would, more yeah, fun. it's it's a far more attractive and far more uh, potentially like expansive story arena. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, that I think brings us to the most obvious question, which is: uh, Are there even any humans left for us to care about? I mean, we had all those humans in the forge, maybe if anything happened there, uh, but pretty much every other human. Including possibly Ashley uh, Hemsworth, yeah, uh, whatever his name is, yeah. um, the lesser, yeah, the, the, eldest Hemsworth. There, there's no, there's no one left for us to care about. Uh, or gone. Some of us were there all along uh, because all we do is care about robots, unlike Ben. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, di- I died with Elsie. Which, ah, man, that was a that was a genuine surprise and yeah, yeah very brutal. sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there aren't any humans left, are there? The humans are dead. I mean, unless they introduce some other new characters in season three. William's alive. Oh, uh, William's alive. Yeah. Couldn't that be the first scene? Somebody in Manhattan hitting their alarm, waking up, going to work at Starbucks, and they look over, and it's Dolores walking into Starbucks. Or their yep. manager is Dolores. <laughs> yeah. And Dolores works at Starbucks. Or yeah. whatever. It is or an IT yep. company or like the Pentagon or whatever. Like, yeah, that could be a yada yada one scene to be like, oh, the new Elsie. I care about this person. The yep. new whatever. Like, sure, right. right. It could be that no, that no. easy. It could even be a bottle episode. The first season, the first episode, to just be like, mm-hmm. here's a no, bunch of characters totally to care about, and now let's throw Dolores and Bernard into that situation. Yeah, I suppose that's a question too. Like, what in the world are we doing with William now? Yeah, it's like. I, I suppose what's the the benefit of him being alive? Yep. And another way to ask it would be, um, so if we're taking that in the future, they have simulated this whole event for William to get him to this point where he gets down there and they check for fidelity with Emily or the Emily bot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means that this is a turning point in his life. And I would say, yeah, shooting your daughter is a turning point in your life. But that's not where they stop the test. They stop it right after he blows off his hand by trying to shoot Dolores in the back. Mm-hmm. And, well, actually in the front. She'd turned around by that point. Um, why is that the place to end the test? Because just to end the test there, you got to, like, blow off his hand again. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's one more thing you've got to repair. So that makes me think there 
there may be important things after that interaction in William's life. And this is to test for what, what was he like before this? In this, hmm. this, this moment just before the, the real stuff with William happened. Yeah. Can we get back to that point? Uh, which makes me think that, you know, William would have a real big arc this season that can't just be about him being paranoid. Maybe he'll have to come back to being human, which for him was very restrained and very, you know, um, businesslike and try to figure out if there was a real him on that more charitable side. Yeah. Like, does that involve him teaming up with Bernard? Does that involve him? Like, what does a a more compassionate, a less violent William look like in the real world? And I mean, it it is interesting potentially if he's still going after Dolores, but the stakes are higher because it is in the real world. I don't I don't know, um, but yeah, like the fact that he's alive, it a like okay, so there's got to be a reason for that, and then it also feels like if he's alive, it feels like at some point we're going to have to revisit some element of that after credits scene. Yes. So like that by having him live, it feels like that's an implicit promise that like there will be a revisiting, maybe not, or definitely not in the next episode and maybe not in the whole season, but at some point these two will meet again. Yes. Yes. Uh, I have a question about the forge. Sure. Yeah. So we talked about it as being a weapon. It was referred to, I think, by Dolores. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called the Valley. It was called the Door. Although I guess the Door was Eden. It turned out to be yeah uh, a very pretty literal door. Uh, but we had. I, I'm trying to remember how much of this was from the show or how much this is us talking about it. Uh, but we we had talked about the. Obviously, we know that everyone has a copy. Everyone who ever went into Westworld, uh, humans. They all have a copy, basically a copy of themselves in there, whether they knew it or not. And that could be used. We, we thought maybe Dolores was going to release that information or it was going to be blackmail for people or we didn't really know how people were going to use it. And that all that information still exists there, right? They didn't I don't think it delete does. it. You think yes. they deleted it? And, yeah, Dolores was deleting it uh, at one point. And, and then Bernard stopped, stopped the delete. It. Yeah, but I, who knows how much was lost. So right. that, that will give them some some wiggle room of... It's no longer a place where everyone's information is, but it is a place where some information is, which actually keeps it alive as a weapon. In other words, nobody knows. Nobody knows if their information is kept, uh, right? You release mm-hmm. a few things and people will think, oh, they have all my information. Uh, and the other thing is there are some people who survived into the, who could have survived into the forge. I don't know why they would have been moved into Eden or where they exist now, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the the three things they were doing in there, I guess two things we know about that they were doing in there. One was beaming Eden off to some rocket or some planet yep. somewhere we'll, we'll never find again. Yeah. Another another thing was deleting what was in the Forge or at least some of it. And another thing could have been shooting all of the information from the Forge to her private yep. Google Drive or Dropbox account or whatever that she's going to access mm-hmm. now that she's in the real world and, yep. and used to blackmail people and rise up in the world. True. Good call. So it's not just for Westworld people, not just for Delos to use. She had access yeah. to all that for a half hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just it's something that I didn't think about after the finale because there's so much other stuff going on. And, the, and so that leads us to the need to uh, dissociate people who are in the forge from the high scorecards that William had. So the high scorecard is the blackmail. Uh, mm. The person in the forge would be the immortality. Um, and I think that that's a really good answer for what to do with the high scorecards. 
But I'm curious about all the people that live within the forge. Uh, right, right. What what happens with them? What's the goal? Uh, do we see you know a UN some kind of uh, hearing to try and figure out? Right. Uh, do these people count as alive? Uh, they were people. They were born. Some of these people have died. What yeah. a cool flip for the hosts, possibly to decide the fate of the humans by using the criterion of "Are you human enough?" Right. Right. I love that for the host to turn that. I hadn't thought about that either. But yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, for that to become bigger of like go to courts or whatever sounds super boring to me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, interesting yeah. in the sense that like, what are we going to do with all these people that are now uh, immortal? Now I'm just a simple robot lawyer. But I think my client has clearly shown his fidelity. His fidelity. Mm. All lawyers are from the South. Yes. But, I mean, that that goes back to the discussions we had about Dolores creating a system. All right. Like a system of behavior and a system of... Morality. Of morality, of justice. And so, uh, yeah, that goes back to Dolores and Bernard... I don't know if they would be on opposite sides of the question or if it's more kind of a yin and yang where there's some overlap, but yeah, what is just for them in the real world? What is uh, due to them, if anything, and how does this interaction look now? Is it all just like Dolores is going to like walk out the door and start killing everybody? Probably not. That seems right. Awfully reductive. But what? Like, how now does she live in the world? Yeah, I like Ben's idea of she's got the blackmail, uh, and she mm-hmm. can use that, uh, especially in, in an anonymous way, to kind of rise to power. Uh, but she's also got Charlotte Hale, uh, who already has a great deal of power. Uh, yeah. No matter who's controlling her. So Dolores has. She basically has the grenade, and she's pulled the pin, but she's just holding on to it. And just knowing that, like, at any moment she can let this go. Yep. Yeah. That feels good. Yeah, I would guess some of the themes for the third season uh, would be the idea of resistance against uh, the powers that be. Mm. Um, I think we're set up for that both within Westworld and without. Um, and it matches politically things that are going on right now. Although mm-hmm. Lisa Joy has said specifically, you know, we we finished the scripts for this season before Trump was elected. Uh, we're not going to script this next season based on Trump being president because who knows when it'll come out. Um, so, mm. but still, uh, something that's in the zeitgeist. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we just have time for one last question. Ben, tell us everything about Bernard scar. <sighs> so Bernard scar, uh, there's actually a whole Reddit link that I will, I'll share in the, uh, the show notes, but yeah, apparently he had a scar. I didn't know about this until right before we started recording, uh, in episode nine of season one, he shoots himself in the head right in front of Ford, mm-hmm. as we all remember. And then Ford brings him back immediately from that point on. He has a scar, I believe on his right temple. Uh, and there throughout season two, he sometimes has that scar and sometimes does not. Hmm. And they are you know, obviously sticklers for continuity and, and very, you know, jumped time a lot throughout the season. And we're very good about putting hints here and there with scars, pieces of clothing, how much dirt was on clothing, people's facial hair, that kind of stuff. It just, it's fascinating going through someone, someone outlined every single episode. Every time we see, basically every, every time we see Bernard's right temple, this oh person documented gosh. and put screenshots and links and all these other things in here. It's fascinating. Uh, and he hasn't gone th- through far enough to say, 
hey, this is the new timeline. But it's fascinating to see some of the theories below that post mm. saying, okay, if that's if that you know if we can divide it up to pre scar and post scar, then season two didn't happen at all like what we thought. And I haven't read through the whole thing yet, but uh, it's just an, another nice wrinkle that that this show is full of. And that's that's those are fun things that I like about Westworld yeah. that I probably shouldn't because it's 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 thinking too deep in the sense that like it probably doesn't matter to that extent. But it is cool to watch a whole show at one level and then see something like that to be like, oh, holy crap, all of these things happen in at least a different order. Yeah. You, you than, might than say that you're overthinking it. Nice. Oh. Well done. Ah. Wow. Well done. Also, hooray. Yeah. <laughs> but, so one example, just to get super nerdy. Uh, when In uh, episode four, Riddle of the Sphinx, Bernard injects himself with that cortical fluid when he's like falling apart and, and, and glitching out. As you do. Right. He has the scar. Uh, and he actually has a blood spot from Clementine. And after inject, being injected with the cortical fluid, he like passes out. Remember, and Elsie walks in on him. Yeah, the scar's gone. And we see a lot of in that episode. We see a lot of going forward and back in time. And is he remembering something, or is he telling mm-hmm. the future because he jumbled up his memories? Uh, and then he has the scar later on in that episode. And so it's just a lot of weird stuff that it'd be fascinating to see someone do kind of like an Arrested Development season four thing where they take all of the <laughs> pre-scar and post-scar stuff and line it up in chronological order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd watch that. That'd be the main reason I would watch Westworld season two again. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I do have one last question though, and it yeah. has to do a lot specifically with what happened since the season ended. And that's just, how do we think Lonzo's development as a ball handler will be impacted if LeBron insists on bringing up the ball in pivotal moments towards the end of big games, especially playoff games? I think it has less to do with X's and O's and more more to do with personalities. Okay. Those are two big personalities uh, to have on the court. Well, especially LeVar sitting courtside screaming at him. Right. Yeah. Right. My question is, what is Luke Walton going to do? And, yeah. yeah. Dude, LeVar, Lonzo, LeBron, Luke, they're going to have a lot of L's next year, and, and not all of them are going to be just part of the roster. And with mm-hmm. the addition of JaVale McGee, will LeBron step off of the team because he doesn't want to create a super team? Like, I understand that concern for him. Yeah, that makes total sense. There's only one ball to go around, guys. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. That concludes our uh, West Coast bias for the evening. (laughs) Oh, rest in peace. One ball to go around. What are you talking about? Hitler's scrotum. (laughs) Ha-cha-cha. Wow. And with that. Incisive political commentary from Dennis Miller over here. Leonard. Mm -hmm. Kawhi Leonard. There's another L for you. Lakers. Is Leonard on? It's not yeah, he probably, he'll probably be in the Lakers by the time this is supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, we probably won't talk about Westworld for a long time, but uh, I guess let's end with this. Any shows coming up before Westworld season three comes out? Anything shows or movies you guys are, are specifically looking forward to? Oh, I, I can transition easily from, from one robot to another. Tell me. Uh, this one a bit more formal. Mr. Robot. The Mr. Robot. Senor yeah. Roboto. All right. When's that? Is that sometime in August? I don't know. Usually? Yeah, I feel like it's like late summer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay, Mm -hmm. okay. Dom, anything for you? Whenever I know they're making more, I just don't know when, but uh, whenever there are new episodes of Black Mirror, I'll be ready for that. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. What about you, Ben? Uh, And I'm just going to, I'm going to say Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. (laughs) I think I'm just on the Westworld kick, but yeah, that was uh, Westworld, not really before Westworld, because I guess this is all a sequel. Westworld happened like 50 years ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love the, the original. And if you like Westworld, you like video games, you'll probably like Red Dead. So go back and play the original. And uh, Red Dead 2 is coming out this fall. Hopefully. There you go. Love it. Cool. All right, guys. Have a good week. See you later. See you.
Thanks for listening to Overthoughts, a part of the Overthink Podcast Network. Uh, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the Podcast Network. And if you're really feeling generous, go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes. That would really help us out in a big way uh, and would help us create more content to share with you as well. So as always, you can check out our website at overthinkpod.com. And our handle is at overthinkpod pretty much everywhere else. So go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. And that would help us by spreading the word. Uh, we're always interested in hearing from listeners, so please drop us a line and let us know what you think of the show. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe even if you want to suggest uh, some topics for us to cover on a podcast, that'd be great. You can email us at overthinkpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for stopping by.